going on deadlock fans how's everybody doing this evening thank you all so much for joining us for episode number three of the deadlock podcast myself and my guy man preet mma lock of the night bringing the uh best new mma talk show on the web to you how you doing tonight man I'm good, dude. Uh, as we were talking just before going live here, I just have to shovel or at least get a dent in the shoveling because because uh, we're supposed to get wrecked with a, a snowstorm tonight. So not looking forward to it in the morning. Thought I'd make a dent at it today. Uh, but yeah, that's just another life of living in, in the Toronto up in here in the six. It's just a, a weekly thing for us. How about you? How have you been doing, brother? I'm not shoveling any snow or anything like that. So I'm solid, man. I'm I'm good to go. And, you know, for the people who may or may not know, I'm a massive Coyotes fan. Bro, they just pulled off the biggest upset since 2006 last night. So I am beyond pumped. Proud of my boys. It was a good night to watch some hockey. I'm in a good mood. <laughs> are, they, are they making it to the playoffs? Like that's really oh. all I care about when it comes to team sports. They're not making it to the playoffs. Ah, like what were they? Were they plus three hundred dogs or something? Plus four hundred. They dogs were like, like plus four fifty before wow. the game started. I think. I mean, they were the Avalanche were laying two and a half goals, which Damn. means the bookies expected them to win by at least three. Uh, Coyotes dragged them into overtime and got the damn thing done. So I'm yeah. I'm good to go. <laughs> not often, uh, like at least from the little NHL betting I've done in the past, not often do you see a plus 200, plus 300 actually cash. So damn, yeah, good to you, man. It's some good degenerate betting kind of holding you over between Bellator and obviously the event that we got coming up this weekend. So shout out to you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I mean, do I have, do we have to talk about Bellator? Like that <laughs> my ass still hurts from that Bellator event, man. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Dude. I, I'm always a fan of when, when Ben Henderson is fighting, he used to be one of my favorite fighters, but obviously we're going to touch on that a little bit later in this podcast. But again, it's, it's whatever, you know, if we're not talking betting wise, at least it's entertainment to hold us over until the next UFC event. But don't worry, Clint, we got eight straight UFC events starting with this weekend. So yeah, we're going to have plenty to choose one and plenty of news unlike this episode here because me and you were scrown are uh, like scrapping for some uh some headlines and stuff that we can talk about <laughs> uh but i think we got a couple good ones that we can talk about and then obviously get into the segments later on in the show as well yep yep absolutely man and so as those of you who are uh dedicated deadlock fans already may know uh just a heads up we are currently streaming on my guy manpreet's channel this is lock of the night's channel we are going to be migrating very very soon to the deadlock's own channel so if you haven't already follow the twitter handle go follow the youtube page because everything's going to move over there you know moving forward why don't we jump straight on into it lock our, our first topic of the evening is uh one of those breaking news items that we were talking about is Jake Paul agreeing to potentially fight Anderson Silva. I remember when uh, everyone was going off about Jake Paul and everyone was talking about he needs to fight somebody real, throw him in, in there with somebody, you know, who's got hands, that kind of a thing. You know, Logan Paul versus Silva was... Hey, that was a bit of a more, you know, fun charity type of thing. I think the Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva would be taken a decent bit more seriously and... I got to give the guy props because he came out and said that he would fight Silva. That's the kind of situation where people are waiting for him to fight someone semi-legitimate, even though Anderson's a little over the hill like all of his opponents are. He's far more dangerous than somebody like Tyrone Woodley. So uh kind of want to hear your thoughts on it, man. What do you think about Jake Paul potentially taking on Anderson Silva? Well, you know, I think even though Anderson Silva is a little bit over the hill at this point in time, it's still a giant step up for Jake Paul, right? The Anderson Silva still doing the damn thing over there in the, the boxing world. The funny thing is he made his boxing debut in 1998, where he actually lost uh, a decision that night. And then obviously get in, got into the MMA game. He had another boxing fight in 2005, which he won by KO. And then that's obviously when he started getting into the UFC, won the middleweight title. And we know the UFC contracts. He's not boxing while under the UFC banner. But obviously that's what he jumped to as soon as he got cut from the UFC or at least got let go. And uh, he got that split decision victory over Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who wasn't that bad at the time, right? Like, it's it's a decent, solid win. If I'm not mistaken, Anderson Silva was a pretty hefty underdog going into that fight, and he was able to pull it off. Then he goes out there and obviously has that quick KO victory over Tito Ortiz. But now against a guy in Jake Paul who's trying to make a name for himself, we got to give some credit to Jake. If this fight actually comes to fruition, it, it's a dangerous fight for him. Say what you want about Anderson Silva. You know, if, if Jake Paul knocks him out, even if he's 40, whatever the fuck year is old he is right now, 
to me, that would still be impressive. I still feel like Anderson Silva could could touch him up on the feet. I would be interested in seeing what the betting line is there because if they put Anderson as a dog, I'd be forced to take a shot there, in my opinion. Uh, I got to give Jake Paul his credit, but you can't be the favorite over a guy like Anderson Silva, even at 42, 43, 44 years old that he's currently sitting at. So um, I want to see it. I think it's... Again, I think it's a bit of a too big of a step up at this point in time. There should be somebody between Tyron Woodley and Anderson Silva, maybe another lower level boxer and maybe another YouTube personality or something like that. Get the Tyson, or what's his name? Uh, Tommy Fury. Get that fight out of the way first. Let's get, get him in there with a, a legit boxer or, you know, a, a legit boxer on the lower tier of this uh, side of things, right? I've, I don't really follow boxing too closely, but apparently Tommy Fury is not that good. And a lot of people are quite confident on Jake Paul going into that fight, but at least he's a boxer. Let's get that fight done with first and then give him Anderson Silva. But I, I'd be on board. I would rather watch Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul than Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley or Jake Paul versus who the fuck. You know what I mean? I'm down with that fight. What, what are your thoughts on this one? How do you feel about it? Yeah, man, I, I kind of like it because it keeps the Jake Paul versus MMA narrative rolling yeah. like i i think that's kind of fun that he's he's gotten to the point that he's just taken on dana white and the ufc and all the former ufc mma fighters like i kind of like that it's growing on me a little bit that that's kind of the thing and we're all gonna keep on piling on until somebody <laughs> is able to actually take him down but i completely agree with you this is a big step up in competition the one thing that we've learned about Jake Paul is he's from the Floyd Mayweather school of business, man. He is never going to put himself in a bad situation. He is never going to give himself an opponent who he doesn't think he has a significant edge over. And that's why he's been fighting guys like Ben Askren. That's why he's been fighting a Tyrone Woodley guys that are much smaller than him. People who are way past what would be considered their primer in Askren's case, not even a striker at all. Like that's that's how he's getting these layup type matches done. Someone like Anderson Silva, that might be biting off a little bit more than he can chew for once. Anderson Silva was a real 185er who has knockout wins over 205ers. This is not a small man. This is not a man who is uh, incapable of hitting someone the size of Jake Paul hard enough to knock them unconscious. He also has boxing experience, and even though he's too old to fight against the best the UFC has to offer anymore. He obviously still has all of his skill, all of his talent, all of his speed. I think Anderson Silva is a very dangerous opponent. Like you mentioned, man, when we talk about degenerate betting, I'll throw some cash down on Anderson Silva when it comes to a fight with Jake Paul. Absolutely. Yeah, well, one thing that a lot of people are starting to say about Jake Paul now is they're they're respecting him, right? Because of what he's trying to do with the stance of fighter pay and all that. And uh, I'm not sure how much of effect he's actually having with it, you know, buying the Endeavor stock. And that was obviously in the news a, a week or so ago. But the one thing that I'm very much respecting him for is getting that... Uh, uh, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano fight put together. That is like going to be the biggest women's boxing boxing fight of all time. I believe either today or yesterday was the press conference that they had at Madison Square Garden. Will they be able to push the tickets and actually sell it out? I'm not 100% sure, but it's good to know that finally that two people that are at the top of their sport in their respective gender uh, are able to make solid amount of money. Apparently, they're both supposed to make at least six or seven figures going into that fight. Where that money is going to come from, I don't know if they're not able to sell tickets <laughs> or pay-per-views. But to be able to get a deal done like that, especially with a guy like Tommy Hearn, who, uh, or uh, Eddie Hearn, I believe his name is, sorry, um, seemed to be a guy that was very difficult to work with. But Jake Paul is like, you know what? We got to get these fighters paid. We This is the exact matchup to make. So I respect him for that, man. What are your thoughts on that 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 women's fight there? I know, I know we don't follow boxing too much, but that's a pretty big thing for him to accomplish. Man, I... Okay, so I guess I'll answer your question with a question. How is Jake Paul simultaneously the good guy and the bad guy? Like, <laughs> how does he pull it off that he is actually the good guy on top of playing the heel every single time he steps into the cage. Like he is a master at advertising his spots and his fights, man. I've gotten, I've grown to respect that ability. Cause I, I don't know how you flip flop between both. Like when he gave Tyrone Woodley a, a billion dollar watch before knocking him <laughs> unconscious. Like that's, I don't get how he does this. Uh, I have no idea how that deal comes to fruition. I have no idea how they're getting paid for, but man, I don't know what's going on, but I, I am all team Jake Paul because of his his uh, trying to rally the troops on fighter pay. He's right. We've all been saying it. And it takes somebody with the connections and the, the experience.
experience and the money and, and the notoriety of someone like Jake Paul to get the iceberg to move on that kind of a subject. So I love what he's doing, man. I, I don't know how he's doing it, but uh, I very much enjoy it. And I respect that he's pulling it off. I don't know if I even answered your question at this point. Though. <laughs> that, that was a good enough response for me. But in, honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I feel the exact same way. It's very hot and cold with the guy, right? He's talking all this shit about what then gifts him that watch that you're saying, and then goes out there and knocks about it's It's hilarious. The character that he is coming into this sport. All right, let's keep this thing spinning forward. Let's just actually get back to the MMA world. And, you know, I know we don't really want to talk Bellator, too much considering the, the the rough night and all that stuff but there were a couple controversial decisions that's something that we kind of like to touch on on this podcast so we'll start off first and foremost with the co-main event that night which was between islam mamadov and smooth benson henderson uh so in terms of scorecards eric cologne and anthony maness had rounds one and three for ben henderson ron mccarthy had rounds two and three for mamadov so obviously the main uh differing opinions there came in round three uh five to three media scorecards uh, towards Mamadov, and then obviously round three, like we're talking about, based on 114 fan scorecards submitted on MMA decisions, they had a 10-9 Mamadov, 59.6%, and then 10-9 Henderson, 37.7%. So I, I watched it right before we hopped on, on here, so I can kind of just have it fresh in my mind. And the notes that I made for it was the first half of the uh, first half of that third round, Ben Henderson controlling it in my opinion with the activity he was ahead halfway through the round at the halfway halfway point of that round is when mamadov lands the takedown uh he gets wrapped up in a weird like cradle type position for about 48 seconds where nothing really happened but then he was able to get out of that because ben henderson rolls for a knee bar and he didn't really have the knee bar but he was in a position where mamadov was able to start raining down some shots to the body and that's where the damage number one criteria that's where the damage starts to come through and he was able to uh really punish him from that top position based off of that alone i scored that round for mamadov i scored round three for mamadov i absolutely believe that he deserved it based off of the uh of the damage again the first half of the round was ben anderson by a smidgen because it was volume it wasn't anything big he was landing he was landing a couple light kicks he was staying active mamadov was throwing but not enough but then once he lands a takedown that starts to sway back to evens and then once he starts landing the damage from that top position that starts swaying it more in his way as well how did you feel about that fight uh and that specific round uh and then we'll move on to the main event after that Man, I think you kind of nailed it when you say, how do you feel about the fight and the round? Because the whole fight comes down to that round. That's yeah. that's the only thing up for debate here, I think. Because So round one, you can potentially debate. I mean, there there's a little bit of an interest going on, like you mentioned, about the aggression, the control, the damage. And we have a hard time really figuring out what we should be scoring submission attempts, right? Um, do they actually score damage? Because they're not really damaging you. But, man, being close to finishing the fight is the definition of what round one was. I have no idea how Ben Henderson didn't win that thing via first round submission. That choke was as deep as I have ever seen. He was squeezing with everything that he had. The dude's head was turning purple. No clue how he didn't go unconscious there in the first round. So I have zero issues with anybody giving Ben Henderson round one in that fight. I, In fact, I think you have to give Ben Henderson yeah. round one in that fight. He's the only one that did anything of any significance, even though he was on his back. Now, round two, completely different story. That's Mamadov all day. When you go to round three, that's where we kind of start to divide that line. You say, how much is the submission attack worth? How much is attempting to finish the fight worth? And I think there's a sheer difference between round one and round three. He nearly had the man unconscious in round one. He almost finished the fight in round one. Mamadov was never in any trouble in round three. Like, Ben Henderson got on his neck a couple times, but it was never deep. It was never scary. He always passed off to side controller to half guard. He was looking for uh, the Von Flew choke a couple of different times. Like he was never in danger after round one. And like you mentioned, the top control time, the ground and pound, the damage, that is how you actually score an MMA fight. So in my opinion, it's highway robbery to give Ben Henderson round three. Um Man, I, I don't think we talk about it enough anymore. I was talking to my wife, actually, after uh, the whole thing let down about it, is that we used to focus really hard on hometown advantage. We used to talk about where the UFC is going and what fighters are going to get the edge from the crowd pop, from the noise, from people going nuts when they do anything. 
I've completely forgotten about hometown advantage lock. COVID has ruined my perception of what happens in MMA fights because it just seems like a level playing field. Everyone's going to Vegas. We're always in the apex. Nobody really has the hometown advantage because nobody cares really about the hometown Vegas fighters. There's so damn many of them. They're not getting extra pop. There's no fans to scream when you parade your kids around the octagon before the judges' scorecards get in. And that's a whole nother issue in itself. But man, I, I just just think that we've completely forgot about the fact that the crowd has some sway over the judges and that was a, a fight that shouldn't have been given to ben henderson but i firmly believe that the roar of the crowd when he did anything probably swayed the judges a little bit i think it was a pretty bad decision and a perfect example of hometown cooking yeah, for sure. Even in that third round, like you were saying, those small shots he was landing in the first half of the round, the crowd was just going nuts. It was so lively. Yeah. Like I think if it was in anywhere else in the world, that would have been a quiet crowd, and they wouldn't have been so jacked with the the, the lack of activity that was going on in that round. But yeah, I absolutely agree. A hometown boy there, Arizona-based Ben Henderson getting the rub there. So another Arizona-based fighter in the main event, Ryan Bader gets his hand raised via unanimous decision. I'll give you guys a quick facts on that one there. We got um Bader who was actually so Eric Clone, Chris Lee, Ron McCarthy, they had a unanimous rounds one, four, and five for Ryan Bader. Uh seven to three media scorecards in favor of Moldovsky. And then it was round five that was the most controversial. Every other round was pure just on one side or the other. Bader rounds four and five, one, four, and five, Moldovsky round two, and then five was another or two, three, and then five was a toss-up. So Round five, based on 99 fan scorecards from MMA decisions, 10-9 Moldovsky, 64.6% of people believe that he deserved that round. 34.3% of people believe Bader won round five. So in my opinion, uh, after watching the fight, uh, Bader was pretty much controlling the first half of that fifth round based off of damage not much going on there was a lot of them kind of uh engaging and then pulling away engaging and pulling away but it seemed like bader was getting the better of those exchanges midway through the round is when moldovsky gets that back position where he has uh a bader kind of just on the ground in a turtle position and moldovsky is literally just holding him there he's not really doing much damage not really throwing any pitter patter just trying to maintain the position bader eventually gets back to his feet uh and then starts landing strikes especially when Moldovsky Moldovsky starts going for the double leg up against the cage. And that seemed to be the most significant part of the round for me is Bader landing the damaging shots while defending a takedown. And although he gave up the takedown, Moldovsky did nothing with the takedown. He just slayed on top of him. Sure, it seemed emphatic. It seemed nice and all that. But we're looking for damage here. And whoever damaged the most that night or that round specifically... It was Ryan Bader, in my opinion. So I think that decision was correct. I do get, believe that Bader deserved that round five. Say what you want about hometown cooking, especially considering that 99, uh, sorry, 65% um, of 99 fans believe that Moldovsky deserved that round. I think based off of damage, you got to give it to Bader. How did you feel about that one? You know, man, I, I actually completely agree. This was one that when I looked back on it, it was a whole lot closer than I really expected it to be. Watching it live in the moment, uh, full disclosure for everybody, I had a parlay that had both favorites on this fight going, so I was a little bit biased at the time. I completely stand by anything and everything that I said about the Ben Henderson fight. The Bader fight, not so much. I really thought that Bader deserved the loss on that one, and I did say... I think I tweeted it right after the fight happened that I scored it, you know, three rounds to two for Moldovsky. But based on what we just saw with Ben Henderson, I fully expect Ryan Bader to get the hometown rub <laughs> and get his hand raised, you know, three rounds to two for Bader on the judges' scorecards. And that did go ahead and happen. But I, I think this one was a lot more close, Locke. And actually, this is where we're really working hard to... Uh, get robbery out of the verbiage that we see on a daily basis when it comes to MMA. There are close fights, and then there's robberies. I think that Ben Henderson winning was a robbery. I think the Bader-Moldovsky fight was a close fight. I don't think it would have been wrong to score it three rounds to two for either guy. It was very close. It was very competitive. But on second viewing, I think you're right, man. I actually think Bader did win that fight. Yeah, again, number one criteria in judging. 
damage. And although Moldovsky got some decent control time, he was doing nothing with those positions. You got to land some shots, even if it's pitter-patter from on top. He did none of that. Bader was landing the damage in that round. He deserved that round specifically. And again, the, the first four rounds were clear either way, whoever it was, right? It came down to round five, which is hilarious that the Coleman event also came down to round three as well, the last round in the fight. And uh, Fedor's guys both get screwed in the fifth round. But one of them, you know, maybe a little controversial, the Coleman event, but the, the main event, I thought it was a clear Ryan Bader win in that spot. Yeah, man, I've got to agree. Um, I, I counted both guys out, which pains me as an Arizona guy. You know, it feels good. <laughs> My soul feels good seeing both of them get a win, get their arms raised. I was ready to go ahead and bury them and walk away. It seems like every time I'm a fan of somebody and I think they're going to win, but they they drop two, three, four in a row, whatever, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. I give up. I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> that's, when, that's when they show up and win the way I expected them to the fights previously. So... Uh, good for the Arizona boys. <laughs> uh, see, you should have been there. You should have been in that, what is it, Footprint Arena? I think that's what it's called. You, you should have been in there, there. and you, maybe you could have quieted down some of the people around you. Be like, hey, he didn't even land the shot, guys. He, he didn't even land anything. Why are you roaring? I mean, how would it look, though, if I go to Footprint <laughs> Arena and I've got a ticket in my pocket betting against the Arizona boys? Like, I'm going to get tell jumped on my way out of that <laughs> arena lock. I'm not making it home alive. <laughs> just, just find Fader. Maybe he'll help you all get, get through that crowd and all that stuff. And I can uh, fit in. I got the beard. I'll shave the head. <laughs> exactly. Just say smish a couple times, and I'm sure they'll be on board. Hello, brother. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, all right. So our next big topic that we kind of want to talk about, one that, I mean, it's not like breaking news or anything like that, but it came this close to being my daily doofus. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about our guy Paulo Costa. Somebody must have gotten him a fresh bottle of wine, Locke. I don't know what his deal is, but he is basically saying that he wants a rematch with Marvin Vittori, or that's it. Like, he doesn't want anything else. He only wants Marvin Vittori. And I got to wonder what kind of drugs this guy is on. And, I, I mean, he is so full of himself. He took a bruise to his pride from the Israel Adesanya loss, man. And, yeah, you know what, though? Izzy's the champion. He drank a little too much wine the night before. You can brush that off. He's young. He'll work his way back to a rematch and then set the record straight, right? Well, then he gets Marvin Vittori, and there's a whole lot of shit that's getting talked leading up to the Marvin Vittori fight. And then he gets put in his place. And I mean put in his place. Like Marvin Vittori, it was a good fight, don't get me wrong, but Marvin pretty well handled him. That was a very clear victory for Marvin Vittori. And for him to now turn around have a bruised ego, just being a little butt hurt and saying Marvin Vittori or nothing. I mean, I don't think he can handle a loss to another person, Locke. I genuinely think that he's so fragile at this point that if Costa takes another L, he's hanging up the gloves. What do you think about this whole weird situation and demanding an immediate, meaningless rematch with somebody? <laughs> <laughs> let's not forget the whole weight debacle that fight week as well right remember yes. he fucking came in he's like we're gonna fight at 205 or whatever the hell this shit is it's a catchweight bout now i'm not making my weight like he didn't even seem too bothered by it like to me it seemed like he wanted to go out there and it looked like it possibly could have been the last fight on his contract he wanted to lose that fight and then just go fuck off and go somewhere else but Seems like he's really adamant in terms of wanting to fight Vittori once again. He seems to have some sort of hatred towards him. And it's interesting because the interview where he revealed this, he starts it off pretty, you know, pretty legit. Like he goes, oh, I understand that I, I can't fight for the title now because I'm not in the running, but I want that Marvin Vittori fight. He seems to have some sort of hatred towards this guy. This is what he said, quote, I don't respect him. I want to end his life. He's an asshole, a fool. He had this win over me and he thinks he's the man, but he's an asshole, a child. We see he's a goof. He can't even wear his shorts the right way. There's a photo of him with his shorts backward, and he still thinks he's the man. But I'll fight him again. I mean, at least I plan to. What can you say about it, though, right? Like, Vittori, obviously, we saw him last time come up short against Israel Adesanya. I doubt he has any want or need to fight a guy like Paulo Costa again. And Paulo Costa, if he doesn't want to fight anybody else. Then he's just going to be sitting on the shelf, right? What is he going to be doing with his career? You got to believe either move up to light heavyweight, create some more opportunities for yourself, or be a child, stay at 185, and only shoot for that Marvin Vittori fight. I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps going on this crusade and keeps talking shit, 
about Marvin Vittori that it would ruffle the feathers of Marvin Vittori. I'm not sure if you saw that interview from Sean Strickland earlier this week, but he calls Marvin Marvin because <laughs> apparently Marvin has issues with his emotions. And that's exactly what he thinks uh, of that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Paulo Costa keeps talking shit, ruffles the feathers of Vittori, and we eventually get the rematch. But I guess, like, what do you even do with Vittori now, right? He's still looking for a way to climb back into uh, the the top two or at least title contention as well. At least fighting another name like Paulo Costa again, getting another win under your belt, trying to you know redirect the the loss from your last fight and and it shift back into the win column. I get it. Paulo Costa is still a top five guy. I wouldn't mind it. I, I'll say it. I don't mind it. Clint, do, do you want to see this fight again? Makes sense. No, actually, doesn't make sense. No, I, I, man, Paulo, Paulo Costa, he's the second coming of Tito Ortiz. Like, he doesn't, he can't put his thoughts together, man. Uh, I, I'm actually with you. I actually wouldn't mind it. I think that Marvin Vittori, uh, having the loss to Israel Adesanya, he's one of those number one contenders that's in no man's land. He's that guy that can't quite have the title shot again just yet. But what do you really do with him? Because he's beaten most of the people that he needs to. Yeah, there's there's a couple of other top five guys up there that he could probably go ahead and circle about and face. And if I'm being honest, I think he beats. I think Marvin Vittori is pretty much the clear number two guy in this division right now. And I am saying that with the title challenger, uh, take, uh, Whitaker coming up here against Israel Adesanya. I think very highly of Marvin Vittori. And I think that I think that he just ends Paulo Costa. I actually tweeted him, Locke. I very rarely tweet or tag <laughs> fighters, but I retweeted the thing uh, from Costa. I tagged Marvin Vittori and I said, just end him. Like, this is a perfect opportunity for Marvin Vittori, who already is one of the slickest guys in the MMA game today. Have you seen his style game, like the shit that he wears, I wish I could pull off half the swag <laughs> that Marvin Vittori has. He absolutely bleeds style and self-belief. And if he turns around and goes, number one, I just kicked your ass. Number two, it's an easy paycheck. Bring it on back in. I'll do it again. Like that would just be the most baller move that we've ever seen. Everybody always says, no, 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 no. Easy paycheck. I don't want to do that. Give me the next guy. I'm like, bro, take the easy paycheck. Like, show the world what kind of a badass you are. Give the man all the rope he needs to hang himself. Let him talk his shit. And then wreck him on national television. Marvin Vittori, if you're listening, that's the move, buddy. Sign the contract. Take the rematch with Paulo Costa. No, it doesn't make sense from a ladder standpoint for you to face a guy that you just beat, but you get all the brownie points in the world for being a complete badass and burying a man who the world once thought was a title contender. You come out smelling like roses and then get to name your price in the next fight, whoever you end up taking on. Clint, we're, we're living in a world right now where Kat Vera is getting back-to-back -back main event slots. Sure, let's do Costa Vittori too. That's a much more intriguing main event than Kat Vera against Holly Holm, which is supposed to be going down in May. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm on board with Vittori Costa too. If that's what they end up doing, let's fucking do it. All right, the last thing we want to do before we start getting into our segments, uh, something I kind of just pitched to Clint earlier today. Like, after every month, let's talk about who the biggest winner of that previous month was and i'll kick things off here it's tough to go against anybody other than francis and gone win this spot not just because he beat sarah gone but he has put himself in a very uh solid position to leverage his contract and his deal with the ufc and try to come to terms to a better contract right like that was kind of the whole holdup leading up to the sarah gone fight and even before that and now he defeated the guy that that was supposed to take the torch from francis and and be okay with the shit pay that the ufc was giving him but now francis and has the upper hand he has you know you think the ufc wants to let a guy like this go i'm sure at a certain point they will come to a number that they agree upon i'm i absolutely believe it to have a guy in francis and who's 35 years old possibly turning 36 very soon you can't just leave this guy on the shelf for as long as uh this could possibly go if it goes sour but i think that with that win not to mention the knee surgery that he's probably gonna have to have after uh going into that fight with the torn mcl um he's going to be out for a while but that gives you more than enough time to go out there and hammer out a legitimate contract uh and again what better way to 
win January, then win your fight, a heavyweight title fight, and then obviously put yourself in a position to be uh, to have a little bit of leverage at the bargaining table. So uh, Francis Ngannou is my biggest winner for January. How about yourself? Now, what everyone needs to bear in mind is that Locke and I generally don't compare notes on these things. There's a whole lot of different segments that we do, and we know yeah. we're doing the segment. We do not know each other's answers. I 1,000% agree. Francis Ngannou is my winner for January as well. I mean, how could it really be anybody else? Yeah. Nobody won as much as Francis Ngannou did in January. I mean, the UFC quite literally stacked the deck to try to get rid of this man, to try and break him down, to try and make him easier to deal with. And he got rid of all of them, doing it on a broken knee. I guess I should say injured because it's a torn ligament, not a broken knee, <laughs> but you get the point. Doing it with an injured knee in a way that nobody saw coming. I mean, even people like myself who chose to bet and put my hard-earned money on Francis Ngannou, if you were to tell me he was going to win a five-round decision over Cyril Gaon, I'd have called you batshit crazy. And I, especially if you told me he was going to do it with wrestling. I had no idea that game plan was coming. I had no idea he was capable of that. And I'm one of the people who was singing his praises and ready to cheer him on, Locke. So I completely agree. Francis Ngannou absolutely wins the month of January. But he's got one extra accolade that you failed to mention and part of the reason why he's the biggest winner of january is that even his opponent cyril gone gave him a compliment on his big dick at the weigh-in so <laughs> you gotta get the extra points for if someone was tied with francis for winning january that pushed him over the hump he's absolutely the winner <laughs> i love it i love it all right man uh, so we got our winner for January synced up, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely keep people up to date on that one. What we're going to do is transition into one of everybody's favorite segments right now. Let's talk some stonks. We're talking fighter stonks, and that's right. You saw that absolutely correctly. This segment is now brought to you by Prediction Strike. Thank you all, the fans, the viewers, the listeners. A couple of you reached out to us and let us know, hey, that stonks thing you guys are doing is kind of like what they have happening over at Prediction Strike. You're absolutely right. It is exactly <laughs> like what they have over at Prediction Strike, and we had no idea. So we went ahead and reached out to the fine people at Prediction Strike, and we are happy to report they've sponsored the segment. So what we have now is an opportunity for you all to join us playing some stonks. If you sign up at Prediction Strike and you use the code LOCK, that is L-O-C-K, case not sensitive, uh, you get a free fighter stock with a deposit of $20 or more. So come hang out with us. What we've done is we've kind of shifted around our fighter stocks rules just a little bit here since we're using Prediction Strike. Both of us actually deposited $50 a piece on Prediction Strike to use. Uh, we are kind of getting rid of the fighters that we sold on because we never really owned them in the first place. And we've purchased the fighters that we said that we're buying on. We are each buying one share of each fighter so that we make sure we keep it even across the board and then we can monitor who's winning and who's losing based on the fighters that we bought over the course of the year and then of course when we want to actually sell a fighter that we own we can do that and we can actually log the profits so i'm pretty excited about this whole thing with prediction strike lock what do you think about it yeah again shout out to everybody that just kept pitching it in the comments section in the live chat even twitter people are dming me they're like dude check out prediction strike they would be the perfect fit for this segment and you know after i looked into it i was i was pretty impressed with what i saw and uh, after reaching out to their team they seem to be very uh privy on on having this partnership and and moving forward with it because again we got the fans we got the uh the 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 fan base to go out there and and make this a, a bigger platform they're still relatively new i'd say within the last two years or so that they launched their platform they're only available in the united states for now uh but they are planning on international expansion in 2022 so if you can't get on their website now i promise you guys will be able to in the very near future but it makes our job so much easier with this fighter song thing because again like we spoke about last episode we kind of went into it blindly where we're just like we're just gonna buy <laughs> we're gonna buy fighters and you know should work itself out but then we started thinking about we're like how are we going to track this like we even discussed having a possible spot where we just make up our own point system but 
that's going to take a little bit too much work. Prediction Strike, they already got it down pat, man. I, I love their platform. I love everything that they're doing. So uh, Clint and myself have already gone onto the site. We've purchased uh, our fighters at the price that they're currently at. Maybe not as... Uh, uh, not what I was expecting, but again, I, I did pick Hamza Chimaev, and obviously he's going to be one of the more higher uh, stocked, uh, higher priced stocks there. But I'm expecting with his win over Gilbert Burns, hopefully knock on wood, that's a fight that that gets announced in the next couple months. Uh, that price should still go up, so I'm I'm happy with that as well. So what we're going to be doing, uh, and I kind of didn't even tell Clint this before we ran onto the show because we could we could just keep going and buy every single fighter if you wanted. So I thought the best thing that we could do is. Every episode, we hop on, we show off our portfolio, see what we got going on, and then we can decide whether we want to sell any fighters that we currently have or if we want to buy more fighters. And I think the best way to do it is if we kind of put a cap of three fighters. Even if, if you don't want to buy any fighters, you don't have to buy any fighters. But if you want to buy a fighter, you want to buy a stock, let's make it no more than three fighters. So um, if you want to go ahead and kick it off, I'm not sure if you got Prediction Strike ready to go. We can toss it up on the screen here. Show off your beautiful portfolio that you got. There you guys go. I'm uh, all set. Yeah, go for it. We can give you guys a little bit of a tour here, actually. This is Prediction Strike here for you, so make sure you go check it out. The cool thing is, right up here, you can see my portfolio value is $12.11. My cash left out of my $50 deposit, I've got $37.58 to work with. So, of course, what we wanted to do is get the fighters that we originally told you guys we were purchasing and... Uh, Make sure we've got those stocked up there and then have a little bit of wiggle room. That way we can add and buy more fighters as we continue the segment here. So my team consists of Askar Askarov. He was expensive as hell, $4.51 for a share. Mirab, $3.53. I got my guy Jeff Molina at the swinging deal of $0.91, cents, less than a dollar. I love that because he's just going up, baby. Uh, Jamal Hill, and then I actually chose Maria Agapova, if most of you remember last week. Unfortunately, Prediction Strike doesn't have her in the system. Who I was debating getting in that spot was Aaron Blanchfield. So I did go ahead and decide to purchase a share of Aaron Blanchfield instead of Maria Agapova. Once they add Maria Agapova, hopefully at some point down the road, I will of course add her to my stonks. What you can do is actually search and select fighters, and then they've got this cool little star function on them you can add them to a watch list so you can actually see their stocks go up and down. And as you see, a guy like Michael Trezano here, there's really no information on him. So right here, they will show you where his stock has gone up or down, percentage, his record, how many knockouts he has. And then right here, the price of the stock. Right now, it's a $1 current price tag. And I actually have a bet on Michael Trezano for this weekend coming up. So I thought, this would be a perfect time for me to go ahead and put my money where my mouth is and add a stock of Michael Trezano. So I'm going to say one here. I got one share that I'm going to go ahead and order, review, order, and buy now. It is that simple, folks, for you to buy a stock in a fighter, and I've added Michael Trezano to my team. Now when I click on my portfolio up here and go to my MMA tab, of course, they do NFL and NBA. We're not playing those, but you can if you want to, of course. Uh, right here, you go to my NBA or my MMA team, and Michael Trezano is now on my roster. When you tag over to the watch list, he's still there. I'd have to remove that. But, Locke, the other fighter I want to snag is Miss Casey O'Neill. I'm going to go hey. ahead and add Mike Trezano and Casey O'Neill to my team for the game. And it's that simple, folks. It, that's how it works. It's uh, it's super easy to use, and it functions exactly like an actual stock market. Here I want to bring up oh, Marab doesn't really work very well because obviously he came in high and he's just stayed <laughs> that high the entire time. Let's see. Jamal Hill, you can kind of see how his graph like goes up and down throughout time here as far as his value goes. It's going to be a real fun way for us to play the game, monitor how our fighter stocks are doing it, and kind of keep an eye on things moving forward uh, i saw evan earlier ask the question do us little people get included in your stock segment or we just get tracked on the website evan if you guys all want to actually participate in the fighter stocks and you want to play along kind of how me and Locke are doing you know upload your 50 bucks buy your stocks i think chat interaction is something that we 
keep kind of to a minimum on this particular show, but during the fighter stock segment, uh, I don't see why we couldn't shout people out. If somebody buys a stock that jumps up 25% and they want to say it in the chat or something, we can highlight you and, you know, that kind of a thing. It's just going to be kind of an ongoing game that we play over the course of, I don't know, a year or something. It depends on how long we feel like doing it before we review who's made and lost the most money. Yeah, I think uh, I think we should kind of reevaluate at the end of the year. I think we kind of went into this with that year time frame in mind. And I think at that point we can just see, okay, you know, we both start off with 50 bucks. Where are we sitting now at the end of the year? And, uh, you know, we already have our deadlock dual challenge that we're doing. We'll see what we come up with this for this fighter stonks thing. But yeah, I absolutely love your idea in terms of getting the fans and viewers involved as well. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find a way to make it fun and, and involving for them. Obviously involving them during that segment as well. But we'll see what else we can come up with to, to try to get them to feel more involved. So let me go ahead and share my screen as well so I can show off my beautiful portfolio as well to you guys. Uh, here we go. I believe it is showing now. Is that correct? Nope. Here we go. Bang. There it is. All right. So uh magomed on collab obviously it looks like his stock is starting to go down for some reason uh about minus 12 percent but when we got in uh it obviously lets you know your position right here um i got in at three dollars and 39 cents uh hasn't moved since then obviously we just uh, dealt with this yesterday or today i believe it was uh or yesterday i can't even remember if it was today or yesterday god damn all my days are playing <laughs> together yesterday. now yeah but uh we got magomed on collab there obviously he's scheduled to fight tiago santos in the next couple weeks here uh and i'm hoping that that price starts to go up so i can uh you know really really uh get the most bang for my buck with my guy magomed uh obviously hamza chmai five dollars and 11 cents we got in on him yesterday and obviously no movement yet but you can see the gradual progression since he entered the ufc you see that chart trending in the right direction and you got to believe with the win over gilbert burns who i believe is next on his list uh that price should go up as well Armand Sarukian, $1.69, or sorry, $1.92. Nasruddin Imamov, $1.69. And Manol Firo at $1.64. That's a skunk I expect to increase, especially when she goes out there and fights Jessica. So uh, you got, uh, I believe you just picked two guys. Now I got a couple guys as well that I want to throw onto the board here. First and foremost, underdog this weekend that I'm backing, my guy Danilo Marquez, $0.87. Cents. Count me, for, count me in for one stock there. Speaking of the number of stock or shares that we're going to be doing, me and Clint felt as though the best way to go about it was just going with one share. It's easiest to track. You know what I mean? Things like that. For you guys, you guys can buy as many shares as you'd like. For our tracking purposes, we're just going to keep it at one per share. I believe with a win this weekend, which I believe he will, that that price is going to rise, and then I will more than likely be dumping it on the next episode. And I was going to ask you what that strategy was, actually. <laughs> there you guys go. So let me hit that buy. Let me make sure. There we go. Got that one stock uh, for Danilo Marquez at eighty-seven cents. Again, if he loses this weekend, though, that probably plummets, and I'll probably take an L on that. But I don't mind taking a bit of a gamble. And I had one more that I wanted to throw to you guys. I am going to go with. This is on next week's card. I'm going to be going with Jared Cannonier. He's not, he's at $4.50 right now, but I believe with the win over Derek Brunson next weekend, he will line himself up for a potential title shot, and that's got to improve that price, in my opinion. That's going to get him into that uh, $5.50, maybe in the $6 range, depending on how many people start to buy his stock as well. So I'm going to go up here. Buy one stock on my guy, Jared Cannonier. Again, a little bit pricey considering how uh, everybody else is placed. But I believe he's in a big position next weekend. And I absolutely believe that he's going to get it done. And that stonk will go through the roof. So right now, I got seven fighters. I believe I have a pretty healthy portfolio at this point in time. Hopefully that Magomed Red starts to turn green after he dispatches of Tiago Santos. Uh, and uh, maybe even in, uh, enlists himself in a title shot as well. So... There you guys go. There's our fighter stonks segment. And um, as always, make sure you guys check out Prediction Strike. Appreciate them jumping on board with the team here, uh, believing in this segment. A lot of people really seem to love this segment as well in the comment section afterwards. So I'm hoping that they're gonna their eyes are going to light up with this partnership that we got. And hopefully you guys can show them that we are making a dent uh, by using the promo code and letting them know that we sent you guys. All right. Let's keep, keep this train moving along because next up is one of my more favorite segments on the show. 
the Daily Doofus. All right, Daily Doofus. This week was an easy one for me. As soon as I saw this excerpt from the interview, I had to go with my guy Jeremy Stevens calling out Jake Paul. Not just calling him out, but saying fans would love to see me fight Jake Paul. And immediately I have to tweet out Jake Paul and the Connor GIF. Who the fuck is that guy? Because I guarantee <laughs> you Jake Paul has no idea who the hell Jeremy Stevens is. Thank God Jeremy Stevens has now found himself over there at the PFL. I feel like he could find some decent, decent success over there. I believe he's joining the 155-pound division, which is kind of shaky over there, right? I believe House Manfio was the one that that uh, won the championship last time around. So Jeremy Stevens could absolutely insert himself there and be a solid spot. But, man, let's, let's quit with the Jake Paul callouts. I know we kicked off the show with the Jake Paul segment, but that's obviously because Anderson Silva is actually boxing and that fight could absolutely happen. And that's a fight that people would probably like to see. But not Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. Jeremy Stevens ain't no needle mover, as they say. He doesn't do anything crazy. He, you know, he might bring a couple of UFC fans over to the PFL. But if you already watch the PFL, more than likely you already know who Jeremy Stevens is. He's not bringing, you know, crazy amount of fans over there, and he's not doing anything for the pay per view buys either. Sure, he might talk some shit, but it's not usually the greatest shit talk either. Uh, yeah, no, we don't. Come on, Jeremy, Daily Doofus this week. I'm not. We don't want to see you fight Jake Paul. What do you got, Clint? I mean, first off, I've got to credit you on that. That's an excellent selection with Jeremy Stevens. And it, there's something to be said about knowing knowing where you lie in these types of situations. Like Jake Paul just knocked out a 170 pounder. A guy that's fought at 145 is now going to jump in the ring and take this guy on. Like that's, first off, that's a death sentence. Sorry, Jeremy. Like I know you've got confidence in yourself. That's great. But uh, I, I hope he has some success over in the PFL, man. I am actually a Jeremy Stevens fan. So I want him to do well over there. But that was just a bad, bad move. Uh, my Daily Doofus Award is actually going to go to uh, one of the participants of the main event here coming up on saturday sean strickland did anybody else <laughs> listen to his fighter interviews today like what is the matter with this man i love sean strickland i really do but i can't figure out if he is good or bad for the sport of mma with some of the shit that comes out <laughs> of his mouth i mean he starts off by referencing every single question that any interviewer asks him to some form of pornography. I mean, he made a reference to like him being a member of a casting couch. It was ridiculous the amount of ways he creatively tied porn into the questions that were being asked of him. And then, and then he went on to explain why choosing to kill somebody using a gun would be the wrong way to go about it. And when he fantasizes about killing people, not pause pause <laughs> like not if you fantasize not if you were like straight up when i fantasize about killing someone it's not with a gun because that would be impersonal dude that's some like <laughs> hunter x hunter anime style shit where you're like he's a legitimate super villain all right nobody should ever put any radioactive spiders around Sean Strickland because if he gains superpowers, we're all dead. Like we're all just legitimately gone. So he is highly entertaining, very, very unique individual, but absolutely today's daily doofus on my card. I love how we tried to save face by saying, if I could legally kill somebody, <laughs> I would do it with my hands. <laughs> try try to put just a little bit of a positive spin on it. It's too late, buddy. Ship is Possib sailed possible 2022 middleweight title challenger sean strickland folks <laughs> gotta love it man so real easy easy selection there for our daily doofuses uh we went a little long explaining the whole new scene with the fighter stonks and stuff like that so let's roll straight on into the next segment which of course giving out some picks everybody loves that for the deadlock duel Oh, no, so for the I was deadlock doing the same thing. I was just about to do the same thing. God damn, Clint. You're in my head. Why didn't Fuck, you do I it? I should have done it. That would have been great. Ah, that would have been fantastic. It. Ah, didn't even plan it. 
<laughs> no, so for the deadlock duel, if anybody recalls, we are going to give you a pick, uh, the main event, and then one any other fight on the main card per week so that we can uh, score Locke and I against each other. And if I'm not mistaken, we agreed upon the power hour for the loser. Whoever ends up losing the contest has to do a show drinking at certain intervals that have yet to be decided. But basically, you're going to get smashed on camera at the end of this whole thing if you lose the contest. So high stakes here for Locke and myself. If you pick a favorite, you get one point. If you pick an underdog and they're victorious, you get two. Last week's picks... Uh, we went head-to-head -head on the main event. I get two points for getting the winner on Mr. Francis Ngannou. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, my guy here, Manpreet, however, gets home with none other than Figgy, the god of war, netting himself a nice solid two points in return. I took the shot on Trevin Giles and... <sighs> Locke, it looked like I was going to stack another two points there and then good old 5,000 high IQ brain Trevin Giles strikes again <laughs> and he sinks his own ship right there in the first round. Just whiffed. We both score two points, keeping the score nice and even tight at three at this point. Yeah, that Trevin Giles one, man, I, as soon as he landed that first blow that dropped Morales, um, I'm like, oh, okay, he's actually going to get this done. And then he goes for a takedown. Oh God, Trevin! Come on, you you made you made all those transformations, all that uh, you know diet change, everything. You look great on the scales. You look great in the cage. One step up, fight IQ wise, and you fuck everything up for yourself. So let's spin it forward. We got UFC Vegas forty seven and UFC two seventy one coming up over the next two weeks. And Clint, I'll actually let you go first, man. I'll let you. You can go uh, UFC Vegas forty seven. You do your first two picks, and I'll give mine. Now I'll do my first two picks for two seventy one, and then you can go for yours. All right. Sounds like a plan. So for the main event, I'm going to go with Sean Strickland, man. I'll be honest. I am very, very close. This close to laying the hammer down from a betting perspective, not just picking him to win. I have a hard time seeing a path to victory for Jack Hermanson, if I'm being completely honest. We know how underrated Sean Strickland is on the mat. We just haven't seen him really have the chance to grapple. But if you look into his stats, if you look into his record, like he kept Kamaru Usman to two out of eight on his takedown attempts when they fought. I don't think Jack Manson is a better wrestler than Kamaru Usman. I think he'll be able to keep this thing on the feet. We have seen Jack hurt and wobbled on the feet before the boxing of Sean Strickland. I just think he's the way to go. So even though I want to pick the dog, I want those points, I'm going to side with the favorite here in the main event, Sean Strickland. Looking at the rest of the uh, main card for my second pick, I'm going to get me a juicy little underdog here. Let's go to that ultimate fighter championship that we never got. I'm taking the dog, Brian Battle Lock. Give me those juicy two points on Brian Battle here. I don't know why everybody is so obsessed with Gore, if I'm being honest. I, I like Gore. Don't get me wrong. I know he's a hot prospect. He's definitely got some upside. Uh, this is another fight that I placed my real hard-earned money on as a, as a bet. I just locked it in today. Um, I just don't see why my guy Brian Battle should be the underdog. He's taller. He's longer. He's got four extra fights worth of experience. He's already had his debut under the bright lights in the UFC, so he's not going to have as much in the way of nerves going for him. And then on top of that, he's in ridiculous shape, Locke. Like, I know... You can't always judge these guys on their physical condition, but going from what he was his last fight that we saw him, he really lived up to the name Pooh Bear. He was a little tubby. He was he had a little bit of you know love handles on him. He's jacked right now, and he's not the body type to be jacked. So showing off the muscle shows off the hard work. He's motivated. He's ready to go. I, I think we get the upset here, man, and he, he holds that tough trophy over his head and proclaims that he's the legitimate winner after he gets his hand raised on Saturday. Uh, I'm I'm a little peeved that you took Brian Battle because I was going to be going that way as well for my other main card selection, which is why <laughs> I think it's important whenever we do these that you know we alternate who who gets to go first. But um, let's talk about the main event. I'm absolutely in agreement with you. I'm on Sean Strickland. I already bet him at minus two hundred five. He is my gonna he's going to be my lock of the night play. I already got four and a half units on him. I love him in this spot. The only little bit of a question mark is obviously you know he hasn't dealt with the grapple heavy threat at middleweight yet, but I don't think that Jack Hermanson presents too many problems for him i actually think it's going to go down similar to the marvin vittori fight where he might land a takedown or two but once it's on the feet he's going to crumble under the pressure and the output of sean strickland and uh yeah I, I love sean strickland at this spot going for my next one again not many spots that i like so 
again, the only one that I feel quite confident about, and I'm sorry that I got to go with the minus 400 favorite here, but I'm going to go with Brendan Allen. I think he beats Sam <laughs> Alvey. Uh, I think, you know, uh, a lot of people might be putting up some stock in Chris Curtis knocking out uh, Brendan Allen last time around, but I think that uh, Allen has a much better game to deal with uh, a guy like Sam Alvey. Stick and move. We saw it in the Pune Hale Soriano fight. If he implements something similar to that, I think he can come away with a victory here. Um, takedowns could be a slight issue, uh, even though Sam Alvey has been, you know, on a 0-6-1 skid over his last seven fights. One thing that has held true has been his takedown defense, 77% takedown defense, not to mention he does a damn good job of getting right back to his feet. So, um Interested to see where Brendan Allen and the, and the approach that he takes in this fight. Obviously, it's uh, happening at 205 pounds. So that's another thing that he doesn't have to worry about weight cut. But was he sitting on the couch? Was he training? What was he doing? That's obviously a big concern here, which is why I won't actually be betting minus 400 by this 500 on Brendan Allen. But considering I still get one point if he wins or if Shavkat Rachmanov wins, I feel much safer with uh, Brendan Allen here. So for the sake of this show, I'm going to go with Sean Strickland in the main event and Brendan Allen as my other main card fighter, that would only rack me up two points if they both hit. All right, let's spin it forward to UFC 271, and I'm kicking that off, Clint. So you're gonna have. I was to gonna possibly... say you let me go on the last one, so you better take lead here on UFC yeah. uh, 271. So uh, again, I have a feeling of the way that you're gonna be going with in the main event, but. I'm still going to go with the underdog here. I'm going with Robert Whitaker in the main event. Uh, I already have a half unit stab on here at plus 225. I think the line is absolutely ridiculous. Again, he got knocked out in the first fight. I feel as though something that he's admitted actually even after that fight was he was too aggressive in that fight. He was just uh, darting in way too much, uh, you know, overexposing himself more than he does, uh, historically speaking. And he even said in his interviews, he just wanted to take Israel's head off for some reason. Like he wanted to go out there and knock him out. And if you see him, if you watch that fight back, that's exactly what he did. And honestly, I thought he was winning that fight up until he got dropped at the end of the first round. And then obviously that's where the tide turned. But not one takedown attempt, not even a feint to a takedown attempt. And that's obviously uh, been, uh, you know, something that people have been successful with, with Adesanya. Uh, the difference here, uh, Marvin Vittori landed a takedown in four out of the five rounds, got about a minute to a minute and a half control time in those rounds, but didn't do anything on top. Uh, uh, Izzy was able to get back to his feet, and then when they're on the feet, Izzy was touching him up, given the slow, plodding, brutish style of Marvin Vittori. But if he, it, Rob lands the takedowns here and is active enough on the feet, he could sway the judges and make this a much closer fight. So I'm going to go Robert Whitaker, uh, and I might add a little bit more to him officially speaking, but I'll right now only have half a unit on him. So he's going to be my main event selection. And then secondly, for the rest of the main card, I'm pretty high on Jared Cannonier in this spot, which is why I bought the stonk on him uh, at our fighter stonks uh, spot. Uh, Derek Brunson has been the underdog in four out of that uh, those five fights in that five-fight winning streak that he's currently on. The only other fight was a pick'em uh, against Elias Theodore, which started the five-fight winning streak for him. I've backed him a couple times during that run, especially the Edmund Shabazian fight. I see what he brings to the table. But Jared Cannonier is one tough motherfucker. He's going to struggle to get him down. And even if he gets him down, Jared Cannonier does not settle on bottom. He always works his way back to his feet. And then on the feet, we see Derek Brunson. Even in the fights that he's won, man, the guy gets touched up on the feet. He he does not react well to getting hit. And get hit by a guy like Jared Cannonier, I believe Cannonier knocks his ass out. So my second selection here is going to be Jared Cannonier. And I'll take that one point and hopefully, possibly three points on Robert Whitaker if he closes uh, plus 200 or above. Okay. All right, man. I like it. So for the main event, we absolutely are going to be split here. One thing that we can agree on is I think the line might be a little bit wide. It might be a little bit disrespectful to Robert Whitaker. Uh, so from a betting perspective, I don't know that I'm going to be laying down on Israel Adesanya here, but for our contest, for the sake of these picks, pretty easy for me to just rock with my guy, Israel Adesanya. You don't simply roll through Israel Adesanya. And I know Robert is uh, a special talent of his own. I know he is championship caliber, and I recognize he's going to have a different game plan than he had in the first fight, but I don't think anybody at 185 is just dominating Israel Adesanya on the mat. I don't think it's happening. Jan Blahovich did it. He's up at 205. He's a much yeah. larger man. Okay, I'll give him a pass there. I don't think it's happening at 185. So then if Robert takes his time, he strikes a little bit more, maybe he's a little bit more patient, can he outstrike Izzy for 25 minutes? I don't think any man alive in that division right now is outstriking Israel Adesanya for a straight 25 minutes. So I will happily disagree, and I'll lay the uh, favorite here for the sake of the contest. I'm saying, and still, 
Israel Adesanya. Um, I was looking at Jared Cannonier, man. So I, I see what you're doing there. I see what you're saying there. I don't know what it is, but Brunson just still has not made me a believer. I think eventually those chin issues are going to pop back up, and someone who's as physically powerful as Cannonier, I think, is the type of guy that's going to be a real tough matchup for him. But since since I want us to not be matching on every single pick all the damn time, I'm going to pick a different spot, man. I'm going to go with the Black Beast. Give me Derek Lewis. <laughs> There's not a uh, an underdog that I'm super excited about here on this main card slate, but I think Derek Lewis, we're seeing 2.0, man. You go a couple of years back when we saw you know, Francis Ngannou 2.0, that kind of a situation. He's really doubled down. He's really betting on himself. He's taking his career seriously, and he's got the kind of power that you just can't mess with. I know Taitua Vasa, he's younger. He might be a little bit faster, but Derek Lewis lures you into he, your fight. Like, it doesn't matter what your attributes are. You fight the way Derek Lewis wants you to fight because there's no other option. If you get close, you're getting hit. And if you get hit by Derek Lewis, you're going down. The way we've seen Taito Avasa swing and slug with people, man, he's not going to pull off what he did last time against Greg Hardy against a guy like Lewis. Lewis can take a punch. If they get into a slugfest, I'm absolutely back in the Black Beast. And it's not like Ty's going to come out and try and double leg him or anything like that. So, <laughs> yeah, give me the Black Beast. I like that pick as well. I, I like Derek Lewis in that spot. There's not many people that can stand with him in the pocket and actually live to tell the tale. And we saw Ty Tuivasa almost lose to Greg Hardy. You know, Greg Hardy had him on skates and then got a little bit overzealous and got uh, knocked out for his troubles there. But yeah, I like it. I like that we're disagreeing on certain spots and picking other spots. Interested to see how we shake out when we do the next episode here. And just as always, just to remind the viewers of this show, this is not a breakdown podcast. Me and Clint do so many other podcasts throughout the week. So if you guys want to check that show, out link is in the description for my shows clint shows his most recent podcast is linked there as well so if you want uh the full breakdown on his upcoming card you guys can find it there all right let's spin this thing for we got one more um segment to do for you guys here let's get All right. <laughs> Clint kind of trying to give me the sexy eyes and shit. God damn. <laughs> right. um, so I, I uh, while we we're doing the show, I, I did pull a couple cards and some of them are really stupid questions. So I'm not going to ask you whether you uh, like to go take a hike together or some shit like that. Like that's a stupid ass question. But I prefer I, long walks on the beach. <laughs> there we, I had a feeling. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I did find one that, you know, simple question, but it could lead to some pretty interesting answers. Window or aisle seat? What do you choose? Ooh. You know, I, I'm going to go with window lock. I, I'm that guy who uh, is simultaneously terrified of heights and loves them at the same time. So <laughs> I like the window seat so I can kind of see everything happening and have that feeling of your heart jumping up into your throat when you realize that you're definitely the death falling height. <laughs> that uh, makes it a little bit more entertaining for me. Plus, then I can keep an eye on the engines and make sure none of them are on fire. <laughs> that's a that's a damn good uh reasoning there as well growing up i used to be the window seat guy i used to be i don't care you know what i mean book me another seat book me in another row i want the window seat i want to look out the window you know i might fall asleep during the flight but at least when i wake up i can look out the window and possibly enjoy some clouds or something like that growing up now though I want the aisle seat. I want to go to the washroom when I want to go to the washroom. I want to have that extra leeway on my left side or my <laughs> right side when I need to, if I don't want to be touching up against the person that's next to me, whether it's my wife or, you know, a complete stranger or something like that. I want to have that extra wiggle room. You know what I mean? I want to be able to stretch my leg out a little bit. I want to, again, go to the bathroom when I need to go to the bathroom, especially if the person who's sitting in the aisle seat goes to sleep during the flight. The last thing I want to do is interrupt anybody. I don't want to, screw with anybody's flight anybody's experience i want to get into that plane i want to get out of that plane that's it i don't want to interact with anybody plain and simple so i will seat you make me. a very compelling argument there you go for your next flight or your next bus trip or something there you go clint 
I like it, man. I like it. Well, folks, that wraps up episode three. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the Deadlock Podcast. We definitely like to have a whole lot of more fun here on this show. It's a breath of fresh air, in my opinion. It uh, gives us a chance to kind of let our hair down, or at least Locke lets his hair down. But we get to have a good time, talk about some news and some fights, and we hope you guys are enjoying the show. Do us a favor, smash that like button for us. Let the algorithm know that you like the show. And if you've got social media, share it out. We're still trying to get the show uh you know rolling here get some extra eyes on it not enough people watching it yet but we'll get there definitely want to shout out uh our new sponsors prediction strike for the partnership getting us all set up here make sure you guys check out prediction strike hit that deposit make sure you use lock as the deposit code so we uh you know get a little bit of credit for sending you that way and we want to thank you all for tuning in you know we got over 30 live viewers on the show this evening and that's uh i think that's a benchmark for us so far so episode three already setting records not so bad thank you all of course you can find me over on pub sports radio at Diehard MMA Pod on Twitter to follow me on social media stuff. I do my live stream every Monday night. And then, of course, the uh, undefeated post weigh in show on Fridays gets over there as well. What about you, Luck? Uh, I just actually wrapped up the first interview that I did for the new show that I'm doing, the Coaches Main Event Marathon. Uh, very stoked for that show. Super excited when I was able to announce that one. I got six coaches uh, from all over the United States going up against each other, giving them 100 bucks at the end of every episode and telling them to place on one main card fighter on the upcoming pay-per-view. I just wrapped up with Mark Montoya about two hours ago. I got Eric Nixon coming on in the next couple of days and then Santiago DeFranco on Sunday. That premiere episode will drop next Tuesday. Tuesday of Fight Week is when you guys will be able to lay your eyes on it. Uh, other than that, I'm going to be dropping my Adesanya versus Whitaker breakdown specifically for the main event. In the next couple of hours, it should be uploaded to my YouTube channel, so make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, MMA Lawcast is already on the channel, propping you up tomorrow with my guy, John Stargarian. We're going to be doing that at noon Eastern, talking all props for UFC Vegas 47. Friday, I might as well announce it here. I got my guy, AJ, MMA expert from YouTube. You guys know him. Uh, he was on the show a while ago. Great guy, solid dude. He's going to be helping me break down UFC Vegas 47, and then obviously Fight Day, Fight Day live chat, 1 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you guys go to the Deadlock Podcast channel as well. The links are in the description below. Hit that like, hit that subscribe on that channel as well because this is the second last episode that we're doing on my channel. Come March, we're flipping on over there. So I don't want you guys to miss the notifications. I don't want you guys to miss all the news. All that stuff's going to be on the Deadlock Podcast starting in March. So please get uh, subscribed over there so you guys don't miss when we move over to our permanent home. That's it for me, Clint. That's it for me. I got nothing else to add for you, Locke. Again, just thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in, supporting us on this new show that we're doing. We hope that you all have a wonderful week. Go out and kick somebody you don't like in the shins. Have a good one. We'll see you guys, not in one week, remember, in two. See you guys in a couple weeks for episode four. Let's go, baby.